0: North Dakota, South Dakota or Utah. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Oh,
1: my brother, take this warning. Don't let old Satan hold your hand. You'll be lost in sin forever. You'll never reach the promised land. The old crossroad now is waiting, which one are you going to take? One leads down to destruction, the other to the pearly gate. leads up to heaven The other goes down below Jesus our Savior will protect you He'll guide you by the old crossroad The old crossroad now is waiting Which one are you gonna take? One leads down to destruction, the other to the pearly game Soon your life will be over. You have to face the old crossroads. The one goes down below. The crossroad now is waiting. Which one are you going to take? One leads down to destruction, the other to the pearly gate.
2: Recently, I spoke with a man, a wonderful man, pleasant to speak with, courteous, professional, a very long career in government service, super level. I mean, this man was accomplished, moneyed, and a Christian. As I spoke with him, however, it became very apparent that he has never served Jesus a day in his life. He's only added Jesus to an already very full and busy and hectic schedule. And those times when he's been sick, when he has had life-threatening emergencies, he has looked at it and considered it as something that was not really of great importance because he knew he was going to come through. He knew that he could not die. God's blessing was with him. What would happen if we really took stock of our lives? If we laid aside all the games, we laid aside all of the all of the things we're so confident of and really took an honest look at who we are and who Jesus Christ is. Yesterday I shared with you from Pilgrim's Progress this story about a man who was caught in chains. I'd like to go back and review a part of that. And then I'd like to step forward into uh, the scriptures, one of the Psalms, Psalm 107. And I want to show you that the psalmist was saying the same thing that John Bunyan is saying in Pilgrim's Progress. Let me begin with Pilgrim's Progress on page 53. All right, page 53. Remember again, we're speaking now about the interpreter who is showing lessons to Pilgrim or to Christian to encourage him and to direct him as he makes the journey. I want to also point out another thing you may have missed. And that is that he has entered through the narrow gate, but he is still carrying his heavy burden of sin. The burden of sin is not removed by instruction. Information does not remove the burden of sin from your heart. It takes something much greater than intellectual understanding. And I recognize that in our westernized Greek culture, information seems to be everything. It's rapidly expanding every day. Information is exploding. I can go to Google search and find just about anything my heart desires. But in no way has Google search improved the morality of man. Man has not turned from his sin because he has at his disposal more information. So let me share this with you again. There's a man, he's sitting in a very dark room in an iron cage. He says, the man in the cage seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together and he sighed as if his heart would break. Then Christian asked, What does this mean? Instead of answering, the interpreter asked Christian to talk with the man. So Christian asked the man, Who are you? The man answered, I am not what I used to be. What did you used to be? I was once fair and flourishing in my profession of faith both in my own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I was, I once thought, deserving of the celestial city and was full of joy as I considered going there. I want to come back and just highlight what this man is saying about his one-time walk with Jesus Christ. He says that once he had a fair and flourishing profession of faith. It is not a profession of faith that builds the roots necessary to take us to the celestial city. Profession of faith is important. It's important that we testify to others that we are followers of Jesus Christ. But what is more important than the testimony that we are followers is whether or not we, in fact, have taken up our cross and followed Jesus So this man says that his profession was wonderful in his eyes and in the eyes of others. So his public demeanor, his public presentation was that he was a Christian. Everyone considered him to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He thought himself deserving of the celestial city. One author I read, very interesting This author said, the closer I come to Jesus, the more sinful I appear in my own eyes. If one begins to think in their heart, I deserve heaven, you already know you have missed heaven. Heaven is not something we will receive because we deserve it. Heaven is something that will be granted. Eternal life will be granted by a sinner who meets the conditions of denying himself, taking up his cross, and following Jesus. It's not something that is earned. It is something we die to. We die to this world, and we then live in Jesus Christ. But nowhere in this whole realm is there any room for pride, There's no room to think, well, I am deserving of the celestial city. No, if you're deserving, you'll get hell. That's just the truth of it. Christian inquired, well, then, who are you now? The man replied, I'm now a man of despair. It surrounds me, as does this iron cage. I cannot get out. I cannot get out. Well, how did you come to be in this condition? I stopped being watchful and diligent. I rushed after my own lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I have grieved the spirit and he is gone. I tempted the devil and he has come to me. I've provoked God in anger and he's left me. I've hardened my heart and I cannot repent. Do you see that nowhere in this picture is this man in the iron cage saying, I was crucified with Christ. I died. No, this this man who's sitting in the iron cage has always clung to his personal life. He has been unwilling to, to give up his life. Oh, he's been willing to align his life in measure with the principles of Jesus. He's been willing to align his interests with those of heaven. But he has not been willing to give up his life. The iron cage he's sitting in is simply the flesh, Simply the flesh. If you want to enter into heaven, we have to give ourselves up. We have to give up all of our ambition, all of our plans, all of our hopes. We have to give up all of our fond entertainments and pleasures. Everything is now given into the hand of Jesus. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The secret to the Christian's life is that he's gone to the cross. Now, what's so important about this is The Christian has not yet gone to the cross. This Christian pilgrim still has on his back the heavy, heavy burden of sin. So Christian asks the interpreter, Is there no hope for such a man as this? Ask him, said the interpreter. So Christian asks the man, Is there no hope? Must you be kept in the iron cage of despair? No hope. None at all, replied the man in the iron cage. But consider this, the Son of the Blessed One is full of pity. The man protested, I have crucified him to myself afresh. Do you see? He's saying, I have crucified Jesus, not I have been crucified by Jesus. That makes all the difference. He says, I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have insulted the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of the promises, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings. "'dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment "'and fiery indignation, which shall devour me as an adversary. "'How did you bring yourself into this condition?' "'The man explained, "'I promised myself much delight from the lusts and pleasures "'and the profits of this world.' But now every one of these things wounds me and gnaws at me like a burning worm. But can't you even now repent and turn away from these things? Christian asked, hopefully. God has denied me repentance. I want to stop. I can't take it. I mean, this man is blaming God for his condition of sin who is the accuser? Satan is the accuser. He's the liar. How is it that a man in the midst of his sin can accuse God that he is unfaithful and unwilling to forgive him when Jesus died on the cross and poured everything out for you and me? No, the problem is not with Jesus. The problem is not with the work of salvation provided at the cross. The problem is the pride of this man's heart that does not want to surrender to the cross and be crucified with Christ. Now, I understand this. It's not easy to be crucified. It's not an enjoyable experience, and it's one that Jesus says we must do daily, take up your cross daily and follow me. Paying whatever price is necessary as the Lord God of heaven brings us into situations that will uncover the depths of our soul. At any point, we can flee to our iron cage and there take solace in what a wicked and bad person I am Oh well, Romans 8 says now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus no condemnation the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful it's the most powerful element in the entire universe it is the precious blood of God himself it is the life force of God, and no bondage of sin can stand up against it. There's only one thing that can stand up against the precious blood of Jesus, and that is a foolish man or woman, a foolish boy or girl who's absolutely determined not to repent and to have life their way And then the love of God that so overflows compels God in love and mercy to allow that sinner to go to hell. That is the fullest extent of love, that God would not force himself upon any person, but with open arms will receive them or with open arms will cast them into the pit of destruction. We serve a God who is incredibly filled with love and mercy and compassion. Well, I want to go with you to Psalm 107. I have lived many years in Psalm 107. I want to share with you, let me begin with verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. And then he begins to describe different kinds of Christians. Let me begin with verse 4. Some wandered in darkness desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. He's describing here a a person who is wandering and cannot find a place of rest. Some of you today are wandering. You have utterly given up on finding a church family that you feel will lead you and join you in the journey toward heaven. You go to churches and you're discouraged by the foolishness. You're discouraged by all of the entertainment. You're discouraged by the light, frivolous tone. One dear sister from Maryland said, I'm so discouraged going to our church because our pastor never feeds us the solid word of God. Instead, we get jokes and, and strategies for success. And she said to me, I so desire that God would give me a place where I could worship, where they were serious about Jesus and about heaven. There are many in Washington, D.C., like that, who have utterly given up on church, And I would urge you, don't give up. Instead, cry out to the Lord and ask the Lord to order your steps and to guide you to that pastor or to that church that is earnest about seeking after Jesus. I know that if you will pray, God will combine your heart with other hearts and you will have others to join you in this pilgrim journey. So don't give up in despair. Don't be discouraged. But seek today after Jesus and let him open a door for you, and you will find that place, that city of refuge. But then he becomes much more serious in verse 10. This is Psalm 107. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. See, he's using the same picture, if you will, that John Bunyan was was using. John Bunyan used an iron cage. The psalmist is using iron chains. For they had rebelled against the word of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Some of you today have played with sin, and you're caught. You're caught in iron chains. You've never been a Christian. Oh, you might have some Christian teaching, but you have never sold out to Jesus Christ. You've been a cultural Christian. You've been a Christian who was pagan on the inside with the outside spray-painted, perhaps, with some Jesus color. But you're caught, and you don't know how to get out of it. You feel like you're in a rat race. All you do is go to work, try to go party. Your heart is empty. As one man said to me, I go to the massage parlors. I go to the strip joints. I leave, and my heart is more empty than when I arrived. I go dance, and it's fun to dance. And if I score, I have somebody to go home with me. We have a one-nighter. My heart is even more empty. And finally, in desperation, he just cut it all off, and he said, What am I going to do? Nothing works. So all he does is go to work, watch television, eat, drink, sleep, go back to work. Boring. I mean, that's life for him. He's trying to get ahead. He's trying to pay on his car. He's paying his bills. And life is hard. He's in prison, he's in chains, and he's in those chains because he has never come to Jesus Christ and confessed his sin and been transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus. I just feel impressed today that there is someone listening. You know I'm describing the kind of life you have. Maybe not the details, but the kind of life you have. You have a few vices you enjoy. You have a few things that give you a little bit of peace, a little bit of respite. And then it's back at work. You're exhausted. You're tired. You dream about a vacation. You dream about having what you want in your life but you're basically at a dead end. You hate your job. You're just trying to survive. Is that who you are? Or maybe you've lost your job, and you're angry at the whole world, and you're saying, how am I going to survive? I don't know what I'm going to do. You're in iron chains. Listen to what the Word says. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. God can deliver you today. The powerful blood of Jesus is available for you. You're caught in those chains of darkness, in the chains of bitterness, but those chains can be broken from your life. Stop pretending that everything is fine. Stop pretending. Look at reality. See the situation of your life. Become honest with yourself. Is this what you want your life to be about? Are you accomplishing what you desire to accomplish? Or do you see your life fleeing away and you're being left empty, holding the bag? If that's you today and you'd like to talk about it, I want you to call 877-534-0780. The phone lines are open. I'll be happy to talk and pray with you. Today can be your day to begin the process of becoming free, of walking free in Jesus Christ. It will require radical surgery in your life. You will have to make decisions about whether or not you're willing to give up your life and follow Jesus Christ. Now he continues to a second category. This this second category begins in verse 17. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress." He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. This is the person who was once a follower of the Lord God of heaven. He knew the ways of righteousness. But through his rebellious heart, he chose instead to go after the lust of his life. He chose instead to take back possession of his soul. He had accusations against God. God was not fair. He couldn't trust God. God let this happen or that happen. He took away something from me. And I'm angry and I'm bitter. In the midst of that, became fools. The word fool simply means a person without judgment, a person who loses track of what is reality, of the reality of God. And so affliction came into their hearts, sickness came into their lives. But finally they turned and they cried out to the Lord. And today I'm saying, if this is your situation, if you have never really cried out to God, even though you've considered yourself to be a follower of Jesus, if you've never come to terms with your sin and your life is not on course, there is a way to turn it. Now, let me tell you what terrifies me the most. What terrifies me the most are the many men and women walking in these conditions, unconscious of their condition. The message to the church at Laodicea by Jesus was that in the last day, the, the church would be blind and naked, miserable, wretched, and poor, and think they were rich and in need of nothing. This is the great battle we fight now because in our culture we have everything. We have jobs and houses and cars and money. We have such luxury on every hand in America. Even in these tight times most americans are still coping they're still sitting down and watching their televisions they're still sitting down and enjoying their dinners they're still going out to restaurants maybe a mcdonald's maybe not the five star anymore but they're still going Have you come to terms with the honest and real condition of your heart? Have you looked at it? Have you assessed your real condition? When was the last time you spent a night before the Lord crying out to him? When was the last time you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. No, I don't mean in a year. I mean in a matter of two or three months. When was the last time you sacrificed and gave up what you most desired to help another person? When was the last time you said to Jesus, I'm a blank check. Spend me however you want to spend me. Do you still sit in front of the television and drink in the violence, the murders, the mayhem? Do you still drink in all of the wickedness of the world? Do you still go to places of entertainment that are filled with darkness? Or are you walking clean before God today? Are you walking pure before Jesus Christ? Are you sold out for the sports? Do you love sporting more than you love Jesus? Well, there's one easy way to check that. How much this last year did you give to Jesus Christ of your finances? How much time did you give to Jesus Christ this past year? And then how much money did you spend on sporting activities? How much time did you spend on your pleasures? Pardon me. It's not hard to determine where your heart is. Just pull your checkbook out and look at it. Where does your money go? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So how do you use your time your money, your energy? Are they for the kingdom of Jesus Christ or are they for your kingdom? I mean, we need to assess these things. We, we've got to be honest about where we are in Jesus. Now, let's come back to Pilgrim's Progress. And by the way, my number is 877 And my heart will rejoice when the phones light up But, please, I understand. Some of you have never considered these questions before. Some of what I'm saying is possibly even offensive to you. And I'm not saying it to be offensive. I'm saying it because at some point we have to ask the tough questions. We have to examine how we stand before Jesus Christ, lay aside all of our wonderful intellectual understanding, and just simply ask, how am I with Jesus today? And have I really spent my life for Jesus? Or have I spent my life for myself and included Jesus as a pleasant part of my wonderful American experience? That's why I come to this dream and And it's so necessary, I'm so happy that Bunyan included this dream that I shared with you a bit of yesterday, but but let me share it again. Christian sees a man getting out of bed, and he's getting dressed, but he's shaking and he's trembling. And Christian asks, why does this man tremble? The interpreter then called the man over and told him, Tell Christian the reason for your trembling. And this is what the man told Christian. This night, as I was in my sleep, I dreamed and witnessed the heavens grow pitch black. I also heard and saw the most terrible thunder and lightning. So I looked up in my dream and saw the clouds "'begin to roll in at an unusual rate of speed. "'Then I heard the great sound of a trumpet "'and saw a man sitting upon a great cloud "'attended by thousands from heaven. "'They were all clothed in flaming fire, "'and the heavens were as burning flames. "'I then heard a voice saying, "'Arise, you that are dead, and come to judgment.' With that the rocks split, the graves opened, and the dead were in them, and the dead that were in them came out. Some of them were extremely glad and looked upward. Some tried to hide themselves under the mountains for fear. By the way, what Bunyan has written in Pilgrim's Progress is a very accurate description coming from the book of Revelation. This is literally what the scriptures say will happen at the end of time. Then I saw the man who sat upon the cloud open a book and bid the world come near. A fierce flame spewed out from before him, creating a barrier between him and the world of men, like the barrier between a judge and the prisoners at the bar. I heard the man who sat on the cloud proclaim to the heavenly hosts who attended him, Gather together the tares, the chaff, and the stubble. Cast them into the burning lake. And immediately the bottomless pit opened just where I stood. And out of the mouth of that pit came smoke and coals of fire accompanied by hideous noises. And then I heard the man who sat on the clouds proclaim to the heavenly hosts, Gather my wheat into my barn. And with that, I saw many people caught up and carried away in the clouds, but I was left behind. I tried to hide myself, but I could not, for the man who sat upon the cloud kept his eyes upon me. My sins also came into my mind, AND MY CONSCIENCE ACCUSED ME WITHOUT MERCY. THEN I WOKE FROM MY SLEEP. AND CHRISTIAN ASKED, BUT WHAT WAS IT THAT MADE YOU SO AFRAID OF THIS SIGHT? HE EXPLAINED, I THOUGHT THAT THE DAY OF JUDGMENT WAS COME, AND THAT I WAS NOT READY FOR IT. BUT WHAT FRIGHTENED ME MOST WAS THAT THE ANGELS WHO GATHERED UP THE OTHERS LEFT ME BEHIND. Also, the pit of hell opened her mouth just below where I stood. My conscience also afflicted me, and I thought the judge had his eyes upon me, and I saw in his expression both anger and indignation. I want to stop a minute. Until you're able to see the eyes of the Almighty Judge of Heaven resting directly on you, you have not yet faced the reality of your situation. For the eyes of God are literally on you. They see you. The eyes of God are observing every action of your life. He is testing. He is examining your life. He is determining now about you whether you will be cast into hell or whether you will be brought into the heavenly realm, into what we call heaven. All of us will soon die. Life goes by so rapidly. I sit here today remembering just as clearly as though it were yesterday, my graduation from high school. I can bring back full details my graduation from college. Then again, I can bring back the full details of my graduation from seminary. The details of my life are laid out before me. I remember my first church pastorate. One of the churches, I have to tell you, was in Putneyville, Pennsylvania, and the church was located in the middle of a used car parking lot. I went into the church the first time, and I was just a few minutes late. The congregation was standing in the back of the room around a pot belly stove, warming themselves, waiting for the new preacher to arrive. As I walked in the door, they said to me, Are you the new preacher? I said, Yes. They said, Well, then let's begin the worship service and everyone took their places and when it was my turn i stood up in the pulpit and dangling just above my head was one of these long dangling sticky papers to catch the flies now it was winter time it was cold but the fly paper was full of dead flies i looked out on this dear congregation The youngest man in the congregation certainly had to be. He had to be over 65, but he was considered the kid. I went home and told my wife, I'm afraid if we have one good case of the flu, I'm going to lose my church. That was my introduction to pastoral ministry. It went by so quickly. And every other part of my life has gone by so quickly. I tell people, it takes no skill to get old. It just takes time. All of us, if we're blessed by good health, will one day be old. Examine your life. The eyes of God are examining you. This is not a vacation spot. You understand, earth is not a vacation spot. Earth is a place of great testing and trials. Earth is a place where the inner man is utterly exposed for what it is. Earth is a place where eternal decisions are being made regarding where I will spend that eternity, either in the pit of hell or in the presence of God, and you have a direct bearing on making a decision. It is your decision where you will spend that time. Now, you can ignore that decision, but if you ignore it, it is at your own peril, for the day will come when you will stand with tears and wailing looking at what you have lost because you refuse to examine your heart and you refuse to repent for your sin. The Word of God is very clear. So today, examine your life and don't be sentimental. Don't lie to yourself. You can lie to others. You can even lie to God But I beseech you today, do not lie to yourself about your condition before God. He is the judge of all the earth. This man in the story of Pilgrim's Progress thought that the day of judgment was come and that he was not ready and he was terrified when he saw the angels in his dream gather up others and leave him behind. And I need to tell you, there is a lie that is so rampant in the body of Christ today that many are telling. They're saying that there will be a secret rapture and that some will be left behind and that they will have a second chance. Don't believe it. There is no second chance. This is your day of salvation. This is your opportunity to come to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Our time is slipping away. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. What is the condition of your heart today? How do you stand with God Are you ready to face the judgment? Are you ready to stand before the Holy God of heaven and explain why you were unwilling to take up your cross? Why you were unwilling to bear with the burdens that taking up the cross of Jesus required you to bear? How will you explain to him that you decided to go and do your own thing, that you decided to go and try to do something great for him that he didn't call you to do? How will you explain to him your position on that great day of judgment? Let's begin chapter 3. It's entitled, A Burden Lifted and a Journey begun. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on each side with a wall. The wall was called salvation. Therefore, it was up this highway that Christian ran, but not without great difficulty because of the burden of the load on his back. He ran till he came to a small hill, on the top of which stood a cross, and at the bottom of which was a tomb. I saw in my dream that when Christian walked up the hill to the cross, his burden came loose from his shoulders and fell off his back, tumbling down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell in and was seen no more. Then Christian was relieved and delighted and exclaimed with a joyful heart, He has given me rest from my sorrow and life by his death. For a while he stood still in front of the cross to look and wonder, It was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should ease him of his burden. He continued looking at the cross until tears began streaming down his cheeks. As he stood looking and weeping, three shining ones came to him and greeted him with, Peace be with you. Then the first one said to him, Your sins are forgiven. The second stripped him of his rags and dressed him with new clothing. The third put a mark on his forehead and gave him a scroll with a seal on it. He told Christian to review it often as he went on his way and at the end of his journey to turn it in at the celestial gate and after this they went their way. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on his way singing, Thus far I did come, burdened with my sin, nor could I find relief from my grief within, until here I came. What a place this is! Here shall be the beginning of full eternal bliss. Now my burden falls from my back forever, from the cords that bound it, by grace my grief is severed. Blessed cross, blessed tomb, rather most blessed be the man who there was put to shame, a shame he took for me. It was only when pilgrim, when Christian, Came to the cross, but the burden of sin was removed from his back. Have you gone to church and you still carry the burden of sin? Have you talked with pastors and yet you bear the burden of sin? Have you read the Bible and yet you carry the burden of sin? There's only one way that burden of sin can be removed. You have to see the crucified Christ. You have to see Jesus crucified for you personally. Jesus died on Calvary for you. He shed his blood for you. Until it becomes personal. Until you've stood and watched and you see Jesus crucified for you the burden of sin will not be removed from your back. Today, how do you stand before the God of all righteousness? How do you stand today before the God of eternity, the Creator God? Do you stand in your sin, or do you stand washed and made clean by the blood shed on Calvary? It's available for you. No bondage of sin can stand up against it. He does not save you without removing your sin. What would you think if if Peter, when he was called out of that boat to walk on the water and he began to sink, if Jesus had said to him, Go ahead and sink. At the end of time, I'll rescue you. No, he reached out his hand, and he picked him up. Today, Jesus wants to reach out his hand and pick you up. Almighty God, I plead your blood over every listener right now, and I ask that the great conviction of sin would fall upon their hearts, that they would see their true condition before you, Jesus, that there would be no shadow, no games, no no deception by the enemy. Lord, that every man and woman listening to this broadcast now would clearly see how they stand before you. And, Lord, for those walking in sin, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I plead the washing power now. I pray you will draw them to that cross and that they will see you, Jesus, high and lifted up, that they will see that the blood sacrifice was enough to remove their burden of sin. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. That's it for today. God bless you. I'll be with you again tomorrow.